Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. Now in our 16th season, with over 500 episodes in 17 countries, we are Radio Strong. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. everybody this is such a great show today i'm so glad you are with us and if you have a broken heart if you are grieving if you are suffering if you are just feeling down in the dumps this is the show for you we're going to be talking today with sarah scheiber and she wrote a book called a journey called grief a month-by-month reference for those who grieve and we are going to be talking about grief today and we're going to be talking about tips to handle grief but we're also going to talk about some of the myths of grief because that was something that hit me really hard and when my mom died she was my everything she i was recently divorced i had lost both my dogs i had two little babies a three-month-old and a three-year-old and i had to somehow navigate this place in the world without a husband who not only up and walked out but walked out with one of my good friends so i didn't trust my female friends, I didn't trust men. I didn't trust my mom got sick and died, so I didn't trust that anybody would stick around. And I had so many problems at that point in my life, Sarah. I don't even know where to begin. But during that time, one of my very good friends lost her son, Jack, at four years old to brain cancer. And it became this war in my head, which was I'm grieving, she's grieving, and we were grief buddies, and we used to get together and cry and hug and have a, you know, a good cry and a good talk, but I always felt like somehow I didn't deserve as much sympathy as she did, because she lost her son, and I only lost my mom, and then one of our other friends came in, and her husband passed away, he had a heart attack and died on a dirt bike, of all things, and so we're like, well, whose grief is worse? And then it was funny because we'd be in the coffee shop and people would walk in and be like, oh, my God, that's the death camp. <laughs> like we got dead mom, we got dead kid, dead husband, walk on by. And the the silly things that they would say to us because people don't know how to handle grief these days, like they don't know how to handle death and loss. Did you find any of those things to be true for you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and thank you, Sandra, for having me. It's so great to be here. And uh, yeah, I somehow our society has to get over the hierarchy of whose pain is worse. Um, Everyone's pain, no matter what it is, is, is terrible. I'm uh, my daughter. My oldest child is my daughter and she's 26. She has a three-year-old little girl who we think is on the spectrum and she has a severe language delay. And uh, I'm watching my daughter grieve. Will she ever have a conversation with her baby girl? Well, you know, and, And so grief comes in so many different forms. There's grief from divorce. Uh, That is a grief all its own. There's grief from walking through, um, you know, like my daughter's going through with her daughter through walking through cancer. Whether you live or die, you are grieving broken dreams, broken hopes, a broken spirit. Uh, you are questioning God perhaps in a way that you never thought you would because everything you know to be true about him is being challenged right now. Right. And And everything turns upside down. Everything turns upside down. And we, 
we, I, I wish the body of Christ could just embrace one another instead of, um, shall we say, casting judgment. Uh, this pain is worse than another. There's maybe sin, you know, attached to this one and not this one. And I, we've just got to understand when you feel pain, it's awful. Right. No matter what the pain is, no matter what the grief is, whether it's a child, a spouse. Uh, when I lost my husband, I lost him in an instant, very unexpectedly. Uh, he was young. He was 35. I was 33. I was widowed in one heartbeat wow. and left to be a single mama to three kids. My kids were 11, nine and six the day that Chad died. And um his parents wanted to compare pain. They wanted to say that they had lost a son. And so their pain was worse than mine. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to shepherd three children through these questions. My kids would ask me questions. Mama, is daddy a skeleton yet? Right. Oh my word. Why don't you come walk a mile in my shoes and then compare our grief? You know, um, my kids every night at dinner would say to me, mama, who did this? Did did Satan take daddy or did Jesus take daddy? Because well-meaning people, uh, my husband was a police officer and they would say to my kids, oh, honey, I'm so sorry, but Jesus just needed another policeman up in heaven. And I just wanted to smack them and yes. say, don't give my six-year-old that picture of God, that, oh, right. God needed Chad more than Micah needed Chad. And so, you know, I'm going to take your daddy because I need a policeman. No, no, no. Right. Grief is grief and pain is pain. And when we feel pain, it is so real and so hard. We all walk the same journey. Sarah, I'm just going to jump in here for a second because now is a good time to thank our sponsor. And today's episode is sponsored by 4Patriots. That's the number 4Patriots.com. And I want you guys to go to 4Patriots.com and use the code MILITARYMOM to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots survival food. That's 4Patriots.com. Use code MILITARYMOM. Now, hurricane season is here. We had one a couple of weeks ago in Florida. We've got one hitting the Upper East Coast into Southern Canada. And when Hurricane Ida hit the Gulf Coast, it destroyed countless homes and it left many without access to food and clean water. Millions lost power, some for weeks. And the floods that followed washed out roads. They made it impossible for grocery stores to restock their shelves. Families were left hungry and desperate and waiting for help that was slow to arrive. But what if you didn't have to rely on FEMA to provide for your family during a crisis? The answer is simple. You can be prepared with emergency food kits from 4Patriots. Their long-lasting and delicious food options are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it most. Now, what you need to know about 4Patriots survival food kits are, they are hand-packed in the USA. They last for up to 25 years. Yeah, that's 25 years. They come packed inside covert storage totes. They include a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and they're backed by thousands of five-star customer reviews. And 4Patriots survival food is not just for natural disasters because in today's world of uncertain supply change and un unpredictable emergencies it's more important than ever to have a backup whether it's a power outage a blizzard rising food costs you can rest easy knowing that you have a reliable source of food to see you through and right now you can go to 4patriots.com and use code MILITARYMOM to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store including our emergency food supply kits designed to last for up to 25 years just go to 
to 4patriots.com and use code MILITARYMOM to get 10% off your first purchase of 4Patriots Survival Food. That's 4patriots.com. Use code MILITARYMOM. You'll be so glad you did. Now, we're talking today with Sarah Schreiber, and we're talking about grief. And what you were saying about everybody feeling pain is so great. You know, people say... They don't know what to say. Our culture yeah. doesn't deal with death and loss and in a, in a good way at no. all. And, you know, I think of when, when Jack died and one of our friends in our group started crying and she's like, I'm just so relieved it's not my son. And you know, we're all just sitting there going, wow, okay, well, I can't believe that came out of your mouth. But, Goodness. you know, these yeah. things, yes, these things, people say things they don't mean them at the time. They're raw. They're, they're, you know, but one of the things that I found with whether it was death, whether it was divorce, whether it was a business loss or the loss of a home, because all of those tend to come together, you know, like usually you have to move. If the husband dies, you got to move. Like you got to sell. There's another loss. And I think what happens sometimes is people look at these losses and like you said, like, you know, who's lost, like were your your in-laws lost worse than your loss? Like, you know, it's the weirdest thing, but I also think we're not trained and this is where schools and, you know, hopefully, you know, with COVID things will be changing, you know, even with church and religious institutions, you know, what do you say? How about just, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And then stop, <laughs> just stop. Cause I don't know about you. There were times Janet and I wanted to, and Pam wanted to staple people's lips shut. Cause the more they talked, the more uncomfortable they were, the more hurtful, like, and I'm just gonna say it's stupid things they said that stick with you. Um, my, the kid's stepmom at the time said, your grandma didn't die. She crumpled up like a leaf and blew away. And I'm like, Try putting a kid to bed at night thinking when we die, we dry up like a leave and blow away. Like, you know, these things, you know, people mean well. They really do. I mean well. They you know, um, <clears throat> the day after my husband passed away, my pastor sat us down and he said, Sarah, I want you to remember that people are going to say really dumb things. They just are. It's, it's human nature. They want to have something to say. I remember um, Chad's funeral was huge. The viewing went for hours and hours, constant because he was a police officer. Um, he was very well-respected and um, thousands of people came through. And I've got a six-year-old playing with matchbox cars under the casket, under his daddy's casket. And um I remember two dear women from church. I was in church choir with them and they walked up and said, Oh, Sarah, we're so sorry, but welcome to the singles group. And I about died. I was like, I'm one of you now. It like hadn't clicked to me that I'm a singles group girl now. And I'm like, Oh my. So, and my pastor had said, Sarah, they're going to say dumb things. And, you know, my sweet little Noah was nine years old when his daddy passed. And Noah is just one of those wise kids. And I remember him looking up at me with these big blue eyes and tears streaming down. And he says, mama, everyone says, 
what can I do to help? And nobody just says, I'm sorry. Yeah. And right there, there is wisdom from a nine-year-old spoken to a world that needs that wisdom. Right. Because all we need to say is I'm sorry. And um, I talk a lot in my ministry and a lot in my book about um, believers' expectations on me to slap a happy verse on my pain and get better. And I, I deal with that a lot in women's conferences and in concerts. And, you know, one of the greatest things that we could do for each other is to crawl down into the pain with one another, instead of always trying to pull each other out. Right. And if we as a body could stop pronouncing uh, happy verses onto people's pain, because Job 325 says what I feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened. And boy, I'm telling you, Sandra, people came at me with Romans 8, 28. Oh, Sarah, all things work together for good. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, well, no, but not right now. Not right now. Not right now. And like, Jeremiah 29, 11, God has good plans for you. And I'm like, well, if these are good plans. Then I got a word for God because there are seasons and the Bible is very clear about seasons. And if we're going to claim the good ones, we've got to be okay with the tough ones, the winters. And the 23rd Psalm says, yay, though I walk through the valley. And we live in an instant gratification society. We are uncomfortable with people walking through their pain. We want to yank them all out of it. We want to tell them to run, hurry up, hop on through, get through this. That's not real. And God created us with these complex, amazing emotions, but we got to be okay with all of them. And, you know, I, I remember the day Chad died. I, um, I had been to the hospital to ID his body, which was something you, you can't prepare for. Even as a police officer, my husband died running a marathon. He dropped dead running a marathon at the age of 35, the picture of health, you know, and even though I was a police officer's wife and I had imagined what if this ever happens, I never could have prepared for that moment of IDing his body. And the, um, I was in Chicago at the time and the Chicago police knew I was a police officer. They took great care of me, hid me from the press. The press was after us and they put me in a police car and drove me away and protected me. And as we drove away in that police car, I, first of all, what I want all of your listeners to know is that I did have peace. Philippians four promises that God will guard our hearts and our minds with peace. And that word guard there is actually a military term in the original Greek language. And as fiercely as a military guards, it's, precious possessions and its forts and its cities. That's how God guards us with his peace. And I did have peace. I knew, I knew in that moment of such awe that while I'm a widow, what in the world, how do I tell my kids what has just happened? I knew we were going to be okay, Mm -hmm. but I knew it was going to be a long journey to get there. And I made a decision. We were going to plow through the pain. We weren't going to go around it. We weren't going to avoid it. We were going to feel every bit of it so that we could be whole. And I remember thinking, hmm, okay, I've heard that there are 
like stages or phases of grief and maybe denials one, maybe acceptance. Oh, anger. Oh, 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 but I am afraid. I've been in ministry for 20 years, Sandra. I'm like, I'm a woman of faith. I just released a CD. Like, you know, I'm on the radio. I'm not, I, I trust God. I'm not going to go through this. Stage. Oh my word. Let me tell you, I go through that stage and we've got to be okay with it's okay. Right. Read the Psalms. I mean, David, like cried out and wrestled it out and duped it out with God. I mean, and God's okay with it. Why aren't we, we've, as a body of believers, we could just offer so much more grace to people just by being okay with what they feel and getting down into the feels with them instead of trying to rip them out of them. And, um, well, or trying to get over them quickly. Get over it. That was yeah. the biggest thing. There was so much pressure. And this is where that kind of ordination came. It's like, okay, we got dead husband, dead kid, dead mother. So the dead mother should get over faster than the dead husband. And then the dead kid was the worst of all. And we used to talk about, you know, this thing of like, what does it mean to sit with your grief? What does it mean? And Judy Brizendine wrote a book about grief. It's one of my favorite ones because she talks about how you have to sit with grief and sit with these uncomfortable feelings. And I interviewed her and she talked about timing. She's like, when you cry, you can't cry consistently for like four days. Like you cry for like five minutes and then the feeling passes. And, you know, when you're angry, you're going to be angry for four or five minutes or a minute or whatever it is. And then the feeling passes. And she's like, you have to sit with these feelings and let them come through you. Doesn't mean you get to break things and yell at your kids or things like that. You know, it's, we're not giving that kind of permission. Yeah. But yeah. permission, when you allow that feeling to feel it fully, how it kind of passes through you. It like starts, it builds, it comes up. It's almost like like a hot flash, you know, where you're like, yeah. it comes up and then, you know, like it, it, it engulfs you and, you know, like ugly cry and then it dissipates. And yeah. riding those waves as they come through. And now as a parent, it's really hard because you can't do those. You have to run into the bathroom. You know, you can't be falling apart in front of your kids all the time. However, it's not the end of the world for your kids to see you fall apart. And with me, I would, I would talk to them. They're like, mom, why are you crying? Because immediately they thought they did something wrong. Mm -hmm. So then the next thing out of a mom's mouth is I'm not I'm not mad at you guys. I'm not upset at you guys. Right now, I just was thinking about my mom. I really missed her. And it came out my eyeballs. Like that's, you know, yeah. kind of that's how it came out. And how you handle it is how your kids handle it. Don't you think, you know, it's like, like the little ducks that follow you across the street. Now my kids are 17, 18 years old. And they're like, mom, I'm not mad at you. I'm upset about this. And I'm like, ooh, because then the tide turns as your kids get older, you're they're mad. You're like, ooh, what did I do as a parent now? Like, what did I do? You know, it kind of flips flips <laughs> yeah. around there. Yeah. Um, but I think talking about why you're sad or what you're feeling or writing it, even if it's scribbled on a napkin, I'm a big napkin scribbler because my life is so complicated and fast that when I sit down to have lunch, all of a sudden all these feelings come up and I write them out on a napkin. Cause they have mm -hmm. to go somewhere. 
Yeah, you know, I was of the ilk that um, it was okay for my kids to see me cry about their daddy. They they needed to know that it was okay to let these emotions out. And I'm a crier. I, my kids knew that. I cry every day about who knows what. I mean, it could be good. It could be sad. I, I mean, I'm going to tear up. And um, it's interesting. I I uh, made it clear from the beginning with my kids that we were going to go to counseling. Mm-hmm. And I had a very wise, wise woman speak into my life about six months after he passed away. My kids were all really struggling. And, you know, kids can't process the way that we can. They, right. they process when you study children's grief, they process little bits at a time. And so it comes out for a long, long period. I mean, years it comes out for. And it comes out little bits at a time. And I would say if I'm, I would, they were really struggling about six months after he passed away. And a a wise teacher said to me, Sarah, I know that your faith is very important to you. And so you, you're trying to find a Christian counselor, but she said, I would highly recommend you find someone who specializes in children's grief. And she said, I've got the right person for you. And they did play therapy and they did coloring and they, I mean, she helped them twist and turn their way through their grief in a way, you know, she said to me, Sarah, think about the concepts of faith that you're trying to wrestle out right now, like trusting God, right? What does that mean when your husband drops dead? trusting God and, um, that God is good. What, how, how does that feel to you right now? And you're 34 years old, you know, like having a seven-year-old saying to them, well, God is good. We just have to trust him. That doesn't mean anything to it. In effect, it does the opposite. Yes. You've got to give them these solid concrete ways to deal. And so that was so wise. And I told my kids, every time I see red flags in you, I'm yanking you back into counseling. Now for my two boys, that was a great thing for my daughter. Um, she, she has learned then to deal with her pain in life in a very different way than I deal with mine. All three of my kids deal very differently. I would say much more privately than me, but that's how they're wired. It's how they grew up through the pain. And, um, and it's okay. All of it, all of it is okay. As long as you're processing your pain, as long as you are letting it out, as you say, you've got to let these, as it comes, you've got to let it go, let it out. So Yeah. And it's very hard. I think when you have, you know, it was interesting. You brought up the thing about faith because, you know, my faith got stronger as a result of the traumas that I went through. And both of my kids pivoted, you know, one was like, I don't believe in God, you know, God, God, you know, ripped my family apart. God took my grandma, God, you know, ruined my life. You know, that's the point of view. And, you know, can you argue with a 10 year old saying those things? No, because that's what he saw, you know, and then you've got, you know, the other one who is now faith-based turned towards faith. And now, you know, they're, they're in their late, early to late teens now, and things have, have more equalized and, you know, kind of calmed down with that. But I don't know if you can't force a kid to faith. You can't force a kid, especially a kid who's traumatized. And the more you force scripture, the more you, you know, um, telling a 10 year old the best is yet to come when they can't even figure out how long it is till Christmas is just a disaster. 
Like, that's where I think, you know, we talk about the platitudes in the scripture that are given to us because people don't know what else to do. And when you give scripture to kids who are grieving and who are hurting, it actually, in my opinion, has the opposite effect. And it really twists things around because now scripture is anchored in trauma. Scripture is anchored in bad feelings. And that's not what we want with kids. Yeah, I would... I would say that to me, it's about modeling it to them. It's, um, I never wavered on church being optional to my kids. No matter what pain we were in, we were going to go to church and we were going to get fed. And, um, you know, there were days I dropped them off at their classes at church and I'd go sit at the cemetery and weep. Because I just couldn't face the how are you's when I wanted yes. to say, how the bleep do you think I am? I'm not good. Is that okay? Can I not be good today? <laughs> and, you know, but it was never optional. It was where our hope was rooted. And I would challenge that as a church in America, we have trivialized the trials of our lives down to we just have to trust God it's all God's will and I would challenge that that is not a true statement Mm -hmm. God's will was for the garden of Eden God's will was overturned when sin entered this world and with it came suffering, came sickness, came death, came struggle. And God so loved us that he sent his son to create a bridge. But it is not God's fault that my husband died. Right. And we have got to stop trivializing everything down to you just have to trust God. It doesn't matter how much I trust God. Something horrible could happen today. Right. What I trust God in is that I will be okay because he walks through the valley with me. It right. is not that there won't be a valley. And these valleys are because of sin and sickness and suffering. And, and it's because sin entered the world. So when my kids would say to me, whose fault is this? I would say, this is Satan's fault. It is not God's fault. God didn't take your daddy. He didn't look for someone to pluck away from the earth. No, we live in a fallen world. It's why the Bible tells us over and over and over to fix our eyes on things that are not seen, things that are unseen, because that's where our hope is. Think back to the old, the the beautiful old hymns of the church. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. This is how we keep our joy and our hope in a fallen world. And we've got to stop trivializing it to our children that, well, it's God's will. You just have to trust him. No, there is an enemy that prowls around seeking to devour us. That is the truth. That is what scripture says, Mm -hmm. but we can overcome because he sent his son to build a bridge so that we do have hope. This is not our home. This is not all there is. And when we keep our eyes fixed on something so much bigger and it's hard, it's so hard in our pain, it's hard in our grief to keep our eyes fixed on, you know, the the third Psalm says that God will be the glory and the lifter of our head. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think of that so tangibly with me. There were times I felt like literally the Holy spirit had to go, Hey, 
Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. There is hope. You will get through this. It will be okay in time. Mm-hmm. But we, we really have to wrestle this out because if we're going to tell um, the unbelieving friends in our lives that God is good, well, they question us. Well, how can a good God let all these bad things right. happen? That's the first thing that comes out. Well, you know, it's if God is so thing. good, why is your mom gone? Yeah. Like, why is your marriage gone? Why have you been a single mom? That's, if if that's your right. God is so good. If he's so good. And so we've got to wrestle that out as believers. Yeah. God is good. He's so good. He sent his son so that we do have hope, but it doesn't mean that our faith is an eraser to the things of this world, because right. there is an enemy of our souls that but I is- love that faith is not the eraser of bad things. No, no. And you know, I, I, I mean, the truth, Sandra is I wrestled this out for months. I talk in my book, I call it the wrestle because I wrestled out my faith. Wait, God, if you love me and, and, you know, well-meaning people would say things like, wow, you must have a lot of sin in your life. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Somebody said, you know, those who suffer most, they've got the most selfishness. God's rooting that out. Well, thank Thank you you for that. Yeah. That, that really helps a lot. That's beneficial to me. Yes. (laughs) That's on the top of the dumb things to say. Oh my word, people. I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry, you know? And so it's, it's, it is a wrestle. It is a wrestle. And I think, you know, wrestling, mine was like a bipolar wrestling and it's like, (laughs) I no longer believe in anything. I'm so done with you, God. I'm, I've had it like door shut game over. And then it was like, oh my God, oh my God, I need you. Like, you know, like, like this whole bipolar thing for like a year and a half and going, I did everything you, you asked me to do. I walked the walk. I did this. So therefore, and you didn't deliver. So too bad for you. And I remember one time I was driving around the freeway and I'm, you know, from Buffalo living in Los Angeles. I'm driving like 80 miles an hour on this freeway, having this conversation with God. I will never forget it. I'm like, way to go, God, you know, you're divine and you you made this a-hole that I married and you yeah. dragged me through court and you're doing all this stuff. Great job on designing him, God, like you're going on and on. But I also think that was really healthy because that was a real relationship. That was a real moment. Like, am I telling That's God right. often? Yes, yeah. I am. Because that's what we do in a real relationship. We speak the truth. And that was what I was feeling at that moment, handing it over to him. And then instead of crying, I started laughing about the absurdity of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, like you run these full gamuts and that's the thing of feeling these emotions with grief. We can't be afraid to to share what grief really looks like because it is ugly you do like i didn't know who i was anymore i'm no longer a wife i'm no longer a daughter like i don't have a mom i don't my house is in foreclosure like who am i and it was like i don't know if you felt like this too it was like standing in the ocean with big waves hitting me from the back and I didn't know what the wave was or what it was coming and what was happening to me. I was so disoriented and I was losing my phone, losing my keys, losing my purse, losing my mind. Like, you know, the whole thing. I don't think people people recognize all of these things are just part of grief because we're not 
We're not taught grief. We're not trained in grief. We're, we don't have, you know, a high infant mortality so that, you know, when somebody loses a baby, people know what to say. When somebody loses a parent, there's this pat list of ridiculous things you say. But I didn't know there was this whole thing that yeah. went along with it. Because it's yeah, just a little five-letter word. And you just right. grieve and then you get over it, right? You grieve yeah. and then you get over it. And it's yeah. such a whole big thing. Well, and there's there's never a getting over it. Right. I'm 15 years into this and I have my babies getting married. Uh -huh. And the day we had to get my daughter down an aisle without her daddy, she was ready to not have a wedding. Yep. That's the truth of it. And so, you know, I really don't love the term moving on. Meaning. And the truth is we do move on, but... I no, don't, I don't like on. that's right. And, you know, you just, there is no big event in our lives ever again that isn't seasoned with some bit of pain because yep. their daddy isn't here. And, uh, you know, today our lives are good. They're full, they're wonderful, but there's still moments that the pain is as awful as day one because that's the reality of grief. And so when people look at this five letter word, we could use it for wordle, right? And they say, you know, yeah, it's just grief. Well, grief never ends. Right. That's right. You might learn to live with it. You know, like yeah. I've learned to live with certain things, but I will tell you like when I see something on Facebook and it's a grandma and her grandbaby, it's been 11 years. I don't care. It's, brings up those things when people have a new baby and I get so excited for them and I think about my new baby that I didn't have that support and yes can I look at all the wonderful blessings I have in my life absolutely but it doesn't ever leave your That's consciousness right. it's yeah. always around there going you know, you're not here for graduation. You're not here for wedding. You're not here for my cancer treatments. You know, I'm not, you know, not having that important person in your life, whoever that might be, child, yes. spouse, parent, friend. I don't care who it is. It could be a dog or a cat. Whatever you identify as your most important, precious thing that you love. Yeah. Because I've seen people over the years grieve an animal as much as I grieved a person. So who am I to judge? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. There's, there's just so, so many facets to, to grieving and it's a, it is a beast all its own. We, we must begin, we must learn to offer so much grace. One of the things that I encourage people if you are a support person to someone who's grieving is to just be there to stay to stay to the end in their grief process let them process climb down into the grief with them i really encourage it. people yeah zip it and you can be christ to someone not by trying to be the holy spirit to them and tell them <laughs> how to do their grieving you can be christ by being the hands and feet and if you are ministering to a widow or widower with children, if you're, if you are ministering to someone going through a divorce, I mean, we don't, if you're just ministering to a single parent, mm -hmm. be the hands and feet by 
picking one day a week that you could be the driver for that parent. Pick um, some chores at their house that you could do. You know, I tell people, I was now caring for this enormous house that I had no idea what one year. I mean, it was like seven years later because I I soon after met my my now husband. And so we're seven years into this journey of widowhood, right? And um, my yard by this point was absolutely chock full of weeds. And so I had been to a, a yard sale and found this little um, like pump thing that you pump it and then you, you spray oh, yeah, it, spray it, you know? And so I marched myself to the store and I said, what is going to kill every weed in my yard? And I get this, this stuff. The guy is like, don't let it touch anything. It'll kill anything it touches. I'm like, awesome. That's exactly what I need. I go out there, Sandra, I spray every weed that I can find. And even if it isn't a weed, if it looks like a weed, it's going to be dead. Right. So I was so bound and determined to win this war on my yard because I didn't know how to do it. Sure. And then I meet my husband uh, today and um, he, he looked at my yard and he said, do you ever water it? I'm like, no, no, I don't want grow. the weeds to grow. Right. He goes, no, 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 no. You kill the weeds. You water the grass. I'm like, oh. Oh, oh, I missed that part. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah, you got everything else under the sun you're taking care of. Right. So just, just those kind of things. I, one of my dearest friends was widowed unexpectedly a year ago right now. Every Sunday night, I have a notice in my phone to call her and ask if she needs anything done at her house so that my husband can go do it. My sons right. can go do it because I know, I know what it is to carry that burden. Just getting through the emotional aspect is hard enough, much less figuring out shingles and weeds and how to snowplow and, you know. Or how about even more simple things like the things that help me the most. And I remember my friend Carrie called me up and she got two of my friends to come over. They all took my laundry because my laundry was enormous. You know, I had (gasps) weeks of it and I was like, I didn't have money to go out and buy more. So I'm like washing things out of the sink. And she's like, what is going on? She came into my house and I said, well, my dryer doesn't work and my washer makes a funny burning smell. Cause you know, of course I'm not, you know, I I don't know. So I just stopped running it and I haven't been able to get to the laundry. And she's like, it's on her phone. And like four people came over, like someone Uh, took white, someone took gray, someone took sheets. They all went home and it all came back to my house laundered and put together and then she stayed and helped me clean my kitchen because the kitchen was like oh, I swear sure. to god like the the the, the sink was like oh, it had yeah. its own like ecosystem in there and you know she's like we're just going to clean everything out we're going to get rid of the old food we're going to get rid of because you start to drown you and you don't know where to grab and you're you know getting the kids to school was priority and getting to work was priority well taking the recycling out wasn't priority. And we had like a nice little family of rodents living in the bottom. And, you know, I can't put put poison down because I have a dog and I wouldn't know what to put down anyway. So coming in to someone like that and saying, can I help you with some laundry? Can I come help and I'll help you clean your kitchen or I'll just, because you just need those lifelines, our laundry, our 
marketing, you know, going to the market and, you know, your lawn, I had, I remember a friend came over and she's like, it is so hot in here. Why aren't you turning the air on? And I'm like, I had two air conditioning units upstairs, downstairs, both broke. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know who to call. I don't know. Yeah. So we just opened the windows and put fans on because it was one more thing that, that it wasn't life or death priority. Like your yeah. lawn wasn't life or death priority. And so when you're in that state, coming and bringing some food and not a flipping lasagna. Do you know how many lasagnas I had? I was like, if I, I can't eat lasagna to this day because that's all I ever got. I got enchiladas and lasagna. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, um, you know, it, in those seasons, just keeping everyone alive is the accomplishment. Is enough. If we get through this day, if we take one breath, some days it's just getting breath to breath to breath. That's good. I, I had one family show up on my door. Chad died in October. So Christmas was right around the corner Ooh. and they showed up on my doorstep and they said it was five women. They said, we're here to put up your Christmas decorations. And I said, uh, we're not celebrating this year. And they, I could tell they were more determined than I. Yes, they were. And they said, Sarah, your children need this. Yes. And I, I put my hand on my hip and I said, fine, then you better come back and take them all down after Christmas. And you want to know what they did? Yeah. They came back after Christmas. They took all the decorations down, restored our house to where it was before. And um, that's being the hand and feet of Christ. That's just loving someone with no expectations, with no strings attached, with no happy scripture, hurry up and get over this. Yep. It's just being there and meeting the present needs. And that that's what people need so much. Absolutely. And that's so important because having, you know, I didn't have five women. I had two women that came and did my tree that year and, and helped put my house into a place that looked like a holiday because I didn't <laughs> want to do it. And it I was did, yeah. too painful. Like I, there was no way right. I could do it. And I remember my friend Kristen coming in the door. She's from Michigan actually. And she's got this, like, she's tiny, really tiny, maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet. And she comes dragging in this Christmas tree. And I'm like, what <laughs> is that? It's going to drip needles and I'm not decorating it. And she's like, you don't have to, you know, we're yeah. taking care of it because there is like when you talk about being the hands and feet you just have to bring something normal and i think that's the thing is these things are so enormous that people feel the pressure that they have to do something enormous to to make it better when you really don't you just need somebody maybe to do your dishes or help you with the laundry or put your christmas tree up or drive your kid like yeah. i don't need big stuff and i think everybody who's been through a big you know, traumatic experience like this doesn't need big. We just need freaking underpants. I remember right. one of the moms came over and she's like, I've got all these sweatshirts and sweatpants. So-and-so's grown out of them. And then in there, I'm like, there's two packages of underpants in here. And she's like turned kind of red. And I said, what? And she's like, okay. She's like, I saw him, you know, at my house, he was taking off his shorts to put his bathing suit on. And she's like, they are like nine sizes too small. Aww. But it was one of those things like who thinks yeah. to check the size of when does your kid need bigger underpants? Yeah. 
you know, those are the, the simple things. So she's like, I was at teaching house, I picked up two packages and I'm like, let me give you some money. She's like, it's no big deal. Like, let me do this for him. And I went upstairs and took all the small underwear out. I had new underwear. Like, these are the simple things that we need. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do want to say that the business of grieving becomes a full-time job. And so the business of taking care of the details of life completely overwhelm in the midst of grieving. And uh, I mean, I have whole gaps in my memory that are just gone because, um, you know, it's such a traumatic experience. Um, I've experienced PTSD along the way. I mean, all of that. And um, I remember saying to a friend of mine, why can't I remember anything? And she said, honey, your brain deep inside your subconscious is constantly chewing on what just happened. Where did he go? How does someone vanish? I was, um, my dear friend who just lost her husband, we, we went away this weekend and she said, um, I just don't understand how you just vanish. Right. And I said, I know, I know it's, it's just so bizarre. And, and, you know, as my mind processed that, um, you know, several months into the whole process of it, I, I remember I'd be like at the library and I'd look up and I'd see Chad standing there and I'm like, why? Are, and then I would blink my eyes and he was gone. And it's your brain processing all of this in a way that, you know, it's just chewing, 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 chewing in the background. It's like a TV constantly going and everything else becomes noise yeah, and an overwhelming noise. And so when people can take care of the buying of the underwear, what a gracious thing for her to do. What a lovely thing for a friend to do. And those are the ways that we can truly be the hand and feet. I think we've somehow, we've, we have this idea that being the hand of feet of Jesus is that we solve your problem. No, right. or do not. some big grand miracle yeah. or tell you some scripture that will fix it. Nothing will fix this. Right. Nothing. Right. There's nothing, nothing you can will say to make it better. Nothing. You cannot fix this. Yep. So just be and That's take right. care of the needs. Look for those needs that can't be met and meet them like buying underwear. Yes. What a lovely thing. We love that. Oh, well, you know what, Sarah, I want to thank you for being my guest today. Uh, where can people find out more about you and where can they get a copy of your book? Yeah, so I have a website. It's sarahscheiber.com and it's S-A-R-A-H with an H on the end. And Scheiber is S-C-H-I-E-B as in boy, E-R, Scheiber, sarahscheiber.com. And my book is available there. I've got tons of music. I charted on Billboard with a song called Christmas in Heaven a year after my husband passed away. Um, that song ministers to millions of people every Christmas season. Um, uh, my book, A Journey Called grief is um, available on Amazon, all of the marketplaces online. Um, yeah, Barnes and Noble, you can get it in ebook form, a journey called grief. It's uh, the compilation of my journals from the year after he died. And it is a true month by month look into what it's it's appearing into what grief really looks like. It's my heart poured out in grief. And um, it's the reality of the journey. 
Well, thank you for sharing that. That's so Thanks for having me. Yeah, Yeah, and we will get back together again soon and have another great episode. We will be back again next week with another great show. Thanks, Sarah Shibo. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at militarymomtalkradio.com or Find us on iTunes for more than 500 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom Talk Radio.